The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Now, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I wonder how many people today will admit quietly that you talk to your plants. So you're watering your plants, you're nurturing your plants, and you're down there leaning over saying, oh, you look beautiful today. Oh, look at those beautiful leaves. Oh, you're looking wonderful. I wonder how many of us here today actually talk to our plants. Now, some people believe that actually the release of carbon dioxide through our speech, through talking, is what helps the plants. Other people claim that, no, it's actually the vibrations from our speech the vibrations are actually somehow helping the plants and nurturing the plants, somehow stimulating plant growth. In fact, the show on TV, Mythbusters, tested this theory of vibrations a while ago. They set up seven greenhouses with a variety of recordings playing around the clock. Two greenhouses, they played 24-7 negative speech, meaning, you're terrible, you're ugly, you're awful plants. Two greenhouses, 24 hours, seven days a week, negative speech. Two other greenhouses, they played 24 hours a day, seven days a week, positive speech. You look beautiful, plants. You're wonderful. Way to go, plants. Another greenhouse, they played nonstop classical music. And then another greenhouse, they played nonstop heavy metal music. And then one final greenhouse was silence the whole time. Nothing at all. So... Two greenhouses, negative speech. Two greenhouses, positive speech. One greenhouse, classic music, classical music. One greenhouse, heavy metal music. One greenhouse, absolute silence. Now here's the thing. Of all the greenhouses, the silent greenhouse showed the least amount of growth. Might surprise some people. The least amount of growth was found in the silent greenhouse. The plants in the greenhouses with speech, whether they be positive or negative speech, did better than the silent greenhouses. Surprisingly, the greenhouses with the music in them, classic and heavy metal music, did the best. And in fact, the greenhouse that played heavy metal music grew the most of all. <laughs> Who knew that plants love Metallica? So... Did the Mythbusters prove that talking to plants helped them grow? Well, actually, not quite. The researchers acknowledged that additional uh, tests needed to be conducted, but the results were uh, conclusive enough to realize that it is plausible that somehow vibrations do stimulate growth in plants. Now, it's one thing to think that talking to your plants helps them. But how many people think that your plants can actually talk back to you? How many wait around for your daffodils to say, hey, thanks for the water? I hope none of us do that. But what about pets? How many people are willing to acknowledge that you talk to your pets? I had one person in the first service. How many will? Sure, thank you. You're much more odd. That first service, they're a lying crowd. No, clearly, we all talk to our, our pets, don't we? we? We all do this. We walk in the door, and our pets run up to greet us. Unless, of course, you have a cat. <laughs> in which case, your cat will either ignore you, or will punish you for having the nerve to leave without asking for their permission. But when you walk in the door, and you're greeted by your pet, do you pause at the doorway and ask for a detailed description of what went on in your home while you were gone? I hope not. 
Chances are you greet your pet. You may even talk cutesy with your pet. But I hope you don't expect your pet to talk back to you. I hope you don't pause and wait for them to share with you their deepest thoughts and their deepest emotions and feelings. We talk to plants. We talk to pets. We talk to God. It's called prayer. We talk to God about our concerns, our cares, our thoughts. We even bring our requests before him like we're going to do this Wednesday from 7 till 8 p.m. here at Broadway. We talk to God all right, but I wonder how many of us believe that God talks back. Honestly, no. When you talk to God, do you ever expect God to talk back? Now, in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, God seemed quite chatty, didn't he? He talked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He gave detailed instructions on shipbuilding to Noah. He took the time to unpack contracts with Abraham. He passed on some complex construction information to Moses when he talked about how to build a a tabernacle out in the wilderness. God relayed all sorts of information to all kinds of prophets throughout the centuries. Oh, but that was then, you say. This is now. What about today? Does God still speak today? Or has God gone silent? Now, honestly now, When someone says to you, hey, God spoke to me, what goes through your mind deep inside? When you hear someone say that and you think, whoa, I'm a little bit nervous around this person. Whoa, they think God's talking to them a little bit odd, hyper-spiritual, untrustworthy. Nut bar factor five here, whoop. Why do we think God talking back to us is such a strange concept? In a few weeks at Broadway Church, we are going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. The resurrection is all about the truth that Jesus died, yes, but he was buried, yes, but he rose from the dead and he lives today and is triumphant and he's poured out his spirit and his spirit is alive and interacting with creation, with lives to this very day. We proclaim a vibrant relationship with a living Savior through an indwelling Holy Spirit. And a vibrant relationship requires communication, communication that is a two-way street. Is God silent? No, he's not. You mean he still speaks today? Yes, absolutely he does. Well, how? How does God speak? Well, actually, God uses all kinds of communication methods with us. Let's begin with God's most obvious method of communication, a method that even the most cynical skeptic has to work hard to ignore. Speaking of how God communicates to even the most stubborn uh, denier, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 1. He said, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, like his eternal uh, power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 19. From the New Living Translation, he said, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. How does God speak today? 
Well, first of all, he speaks through his creation. Creation is a medium that is understood in every culture and in every language. Two little boys were bragging about their mothers. The first boy says, my mom is incredible. She's a police detective, and she can take one look at an accident scene and tell you everything that happened. The other little boy says, oh, that's nothing. My mom's even more incredible. She can take one look at my report card and tell me exactly what my dad's going to say and do when he gets home. (laughs) Sometimes it just takes one look in order to grasp reality, doesn't it? Well, that's how it is with God and creation. It takes just one look at the vastness of the universe and the complexity of creation to surmise the power and intelligence of the one behind it all. God communicates through his creation, but there's more. Only days after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the apostle Peter stood before a crowd of people and he made this declaration as recorded in Acts chapter 2. He said, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which he did among you through him. Do you see that word accredited? The original Greek from which this is translated literally means to point out or to exhibit. Peter is saying that God the Father communicated his stamp of approval on Jesus' life through miracles that he performed through him. So, apparently, God not only speaks through his creation, but he also speaks through the miraculous, through miracles. For example, have you ever been in a department store and and seen a, a display with flashing lights? Flashing lights are hard to ignore, aren't they? That's why our emergency vehicles use them. Oh, miracles are like flashing lights. They function like flashing lights. God often uses miracles as a way of gaining a hearing for one of his messengers. Jesus recognized this dynamic in his own life. He put it this way. He said, the works that my Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. Later, Jesus would say this. He said, don't believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Is God silent? No, he's not. Does he still speak today? Yes, absolutely he does. He speaks through his creation. He speaks through miracles. But there's more. God also speaks through the Bible. In the Bible, we have a solid, reliable, historical accounting of the deeds and thoughts and intentions and plans of God. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Have you ever worn someone else's scarf or sweater or jacket? Clinging to that garment is the scent of their cologne or aftershave or their perfume. Or have you ever received a scented letter? They're the best kind of letters to get, right? Clinging to the page is the fragrance of the author's cologne or perfume. Sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes it's intentional. Either way, it's a a sign that the letter was once in the hands of the one you love and the one who loves you. When you hold a Bible in your hands, you are holding a scented letter. 
It's God-breathed. It carries with it the fragrance of the creator of the universe. By the way, do you read it? Do you read the Bible? Do you allow its fragrance to permeate your heart and fill your mind? You would be wise to do so. Certainly, God communicates through creation and through miracles. We've learned that already. But the clearest and the surest way that God communicates is through the Bible. That's what makes it so useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Bible is like a plumb line. It's like a measuring rod, a ruler. It's like an objective umpire for our thoughts and our actions. We may think and feel this is acceptable or that is acceptable, but we put our thoughts and our feelings and our desires and we line them up against the written objective, written word of God, and that's how God communicates to us in spite of our subjective feelings and thoughts and desires. God speaks through creation, through miracles, and through the Bible, but there's still more. The writer of Hebrews made this observation in Hebrews chapter 1. He said, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. That tells us, fourthly, that God speaks through the life of Jesus Christ. Through the life of Jesus. How does God do this? Well, Jesus himself explained it. Jesus said in John 5, Speaking of himself, he said, I, the son, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. It's simple. If you want to know what the father is like, look at what Jesus did. The father communicates his nature and will through the actions of the son. On another occasion, while in a conversation with a disciple named Philip, Jesus put it this way. Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Oh, like, like, that's no minor thing. Jesus, just show us what the Father's like. That's good enough. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. No, he wasn't saying that the person of the Father and the person of the Son are the same person. No, he's saying, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what the Father's like, I'm only doing what I see the Father do. If you want to know what the Father would do if he was here on earth in physical form, look at what the Son is doing. The Father's nature and will and desires and temperament, all of these things are revealed and communicated to us through the life and the words and the actions of Jesus. Does God still speak today? Yes, absolutely. So far we've learned that God speaks through creation, through miracles, through the Bible, and through the life of Jesus. But there's still more. God also speaks through dreams and visions. Now, speaking about the days following the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible declares that your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Now, this realm of dreams and visions is an often overlooked method of God's communication, because it tends to make us nervous, and people who reference them tend to make us nervous. But do you realize that we are here in this building today Because 2,000 years ago, a guy waiting for lunch to be served to him on a rooftop patio fell into a trance, and that's literally the word the Bible uses, he fell into a trance and had a vision. It's true. You read about it in Acts chapter 10 in the New Testament. 
It's still early after the resurrection of Jesus. Only Jews, Jewish men and women, have heard of this gospel, this good news, and been preached to. Peter is waiting for a meal to be served him as he's sitting out in the Mediterranean sun on the flat roof of a home. And while he's sitting there waiting, the Bible says he falls into a trance. And in this trance, trance he has a vision. And in this vision, there's a sheet being lowered from heaven. And on this sheet are all kinds of animals, but animals that have been forbidden. Their meat is forbidden to be eaten by a, a kosher Jewish man, by an Orthodox Jewish man. They're all forbidden foods. And he hears a voice in this vision, and the voice says, take, eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I could never do that. Those are forbidden. And the sheet is lifted up to heaven again. This happens a second time. The sheet is lowered. The same forbidden meat is there. And he hears a voice, take, eat. Peter says, no, I could never do this. The sheet is lifted up to heaven again. Third time, the sheet is lowered. The same forbidden meat there, take, eat. Peter says, no, I could never do this. The sheet is lifted up again. And after the third time, there's a knock on the door in the house below. And someone's at that door, a Gentile, a non-Jewish uh, individual who says, my master, Cornelius, who, who's a Roman soldier, has sent us here. God has spoken to him and told us that there's a man in this home named Peter that should come to our home. We have several people gathered waiting to hear whatever Peter has to say to us. Peter connected the dots. Normally, it would be against the Jewish law for him to go into that home of, filled with those Gentiles and preach to them. But God has just revealed to him through this vision that what he has pronounced clean is not unclean, that he's been given the freedom to go and do this. And that's why you and I are here today, because Peter went, he preached to those Gentiles for the first time, and the gospel was unleashed on Gentiles all over the world after that. Have you considered how many times God used dreams and visions to communicate with Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus? It was through a dream that Joseph was informed, hey, Mary's telling you the truth about her pregnancy, Joseph. It was through a dream that they were warned, don't go back up into Galilee. It was through a dream that they had been told, go down into Egypt, escape from Herod, because he's going to try to kill you. It was through a dream that they were told later, okay, you can leave Egypt and go back into Palestine. It was through a dream that they were told, not only can you go back into Palestine, it's safe to go back up into Galilee as well. God created the imagination. He knows how to use it. God still speaks to people today through dreams and visions. You're saying, okay, Darren, does this mean that every time I have a dream that it's God speaking to me? No, sometimes it just means you had too much pizza before supper, before you went to bed. This is where we need to combine communication methods. We need to hold our subjective impressions up against the objective measuring stick of Scripture. Now, we'll learn more about how to discern these things later in this series. But for now, let's just recognize that dreams and visions are in God's communication toolbox. But dreams and visions aren't the only dynamic means of communicating that God uses. God also uses and speaks through vocal ministry gifts. Vocal ministry gifts. Now, what do we mean by vocal ministry gifts? When you're reading the New Testament, the Apostle Paul particularly describes, and even on several occasions, gives various and varying lists of what he calls gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit, and we'll be teaching on gifts of the Spirit in a few weeks from now. But gifts of the Spirit are supernatural enablings, supernatural abilities that God gives to his followers for the purpose of furthering his kingdom. And 
These gifts have different natures. Some of them are gifts of healing, gifts of the miraculous, and so on, gifts of leadership. Some of them are specific vocal ministry gifts, meaning they're gifts that use the human voice. They're spoken gifts. For example, uh, well, let's look at it this way. Scripture says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, since we understand and recognize the, the, the objective authority of Scripture, let's look at what Scripture has to say about these gifts. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge. To another prophecy. Now do you see that word manifestation in that passage? It's the translation of the ancient Greek word that means disclosure or exhibition. God discloses or exhibits different uh, things to different people for the sake and benefit of everyone. In other words, God sometimes uses human messengers to communicate to us. And God has all sorts of supernatural ways of downloading his information to his messengers. Paul lists three here in this passage. He says, a message of wisdom. That refers to someone being given a supernatural sense of correct direction in a matter. I'm sensing, I feel that we should go this way, that we should do this. And then there's also what's referred to as a message of knowledge. That refers to someone being given information, facts, if you will, that could only come supernaturally. Information that could only have come from God himself. When the apostle Peter was confronted or, or, or met up with Ananias and Sapphira. Back then, all the disciples agreed, hey, you know, there are some people who are in some real need, so let's sell some of our resources and let's give the money to, to some of our people who are in need. Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some property that they owned, except they kept some of the money for themselves, which was fine. They could have done that, but they decided to lie and say that this is the full price that we got and we're giving everything to God, when in truth they weren't. They were holding some back. Only Ananias and Sapphira knew this, but when, but when they stood before Peter and offered the money, Peter knew supernaturally. He said, is this everything? Is this all the money you got for your property? They said, yes, and Peter said, no, you're lying. You're lying to God. That was a message of knowledge, a supernatural fact that Peter could only have known by God supernaturally telling it to him. And then there's prophecy. That refers to words people are given from God that direct and strengthen and encourage and comfort people at any given moment in time. You say, okay, Darren, but how does God use people to do these things, to say these things? How do I know if God wants to use me to speak a message of wisdom or knowledge or prophecy? Well, this brings us to the final communication method that we're going to deal with today. And it's a communication method that we're going to unpack more thoroughly over the next couple of weeks here at Broadway. Because I am convinced that it reflects the essence of New Testament Christianity. God speaks through an inner intuitive voice. That's number seven. God speaks through an inner intuitive voice. Now, in my personal opinion, it's the successful experiencing of this last communication method that sets Christianity apart from every man-made religion, every dull and boring, stale and starchy counterfeit of Christianity that's out there. It's this last communication method that makes following Jesus Christ a vibrant journey in life. What would you think 
If I were to tell you that God is speaking to you all the time, what would you think if I were to tell you that you are constantly hearing God's voice and that your only problem is that you just don't know how to recognize God's voice in your life? Would that surprise you? The Apostle Peter wasn't a superman. He was just a person like you and me. But one day, as described by Luke in Acts chapter 3, Peter was heading to a prayer meeting at the temple in Jerusalem, just like you're going to be heading to a prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7 o'clock here at Broadway Church. Now, as he was heading to this prayer meeting in Jerusalem, he was about to walk past a man that had, he had walked past many times before. You say, Darren, how do you know Peter had walked past this guy many times before? Well, we know that because the Bible says that this man had been crippled from birth and that he had been placed at this same gate every day to beg from people who were going in and out of the temple courts. So surely this wasn't the first time Peter had walked by. Apparently, even Jesus had walked by this man. On this day, the lame man called out for money, as he had done several times every day for his entire life. But this time, something unusual happened. Suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, Peter stopped in his tracks. He stopped walking. Why? What happened? Peter had a sudden sense of awareness of God's desire. Somehow, Peter gained insight into God's plans for that man at that moment. Well, how did Peter gain this insight? Did he hear a voice from heaven? Was there some loud, audible voice? No. Peter didn't receive information through his eardrums. The Bible nowhere says anything of the sort. But somehow, Peter knew what God wanted to do at that moment. Somehow, Peter heard from God at that moment. I would put to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Peter heard God speak to him through this inner intuitive voice. What if I could show you what happened to Peter? Would that interest you? What if I could show you how what happened to Peter can happen to you as well? What if I could show you how to recognize the voice of God within you? Would you be interested? That's what we're going to be studying over the next two weeks here at Broadway. Peter heard that inner voice. Peter obeyed that inner voice. That man was instantly healed, and the rest is history. And this brings us to today's big idea. If you're new to Broadway Church, every week we do our best to summarize the day's teaching in one simple statement, one memorable statement you can take home with you. Here's today's big idea. God is still speaking to those who are still listening. God's still speaking to those who are still listening. If you're willing to believe and to open your spirit and your heart and your mind to the voice of God, he is still speaking to you today. And we've seen all kinds of ways that he still speaks. He speaks through creation, through miracles, through the Bible, through the life of Jesus, through dreams and visions, through vocal ministry gifts. And God speaks through this inner intuitive voice. And it's this last method, this inner intuitive voice that we're going to unpack further. In fact, next week, we're going to learn where this voice actually comes from in our lives. I hope you can join us because what we're about to learn can revolutionize your life. Let's bow our heads together, please, as we conclude.